Things change from one generation to the next. Attitudes, politics, technology, even lifestyles. But when it comes to business, there's one thing every generation has in common. The pursuit of excellence. Welcome to Generation Excellence. A conversation with next-gen leaders of family businesses who are working to preserve the past and innovate the future. And now, here's the host of Generation Excellence and a third-generation business owner himself, Jamie Michelson. Jamie? I'm excited to share this episode. Let's take two of my passions, family business and music, and combine them. Today, I welcome Brian Yessian, partner and chief creative officer of Yessian Music, to the show. For over 50 years, Yessian Music has written, orchestrated, and produced music and sound design for advertising, extending into films, theme park, gaming, and other attractions around the world. You've heard their work, and now enjoy hearing from Brian as he shares the Yessian Music story. Hello, Brian Yessian, your partner, chief creative officer of Yessian Music, but I, I, I have to add for purposes of this podcast, part of the second generation of Yessian Music. That's really different than other ones you've been on of business, producing, creating, recording, mixing music for, you know, what in its roots was advertising in an industry near and dear to my heart, and then expanding now into television and film and extractions and theme parks and gaming. And so we'll we'll try to let you cap. That's it's a big landscape, uh, but thank you for joining us. Yeah, pleasure to be here. It's great to chat today. Yeah, and I and as I said, uh, talked and thought about having you represent on this podcast for a long time because we're celebrating special generational businesses that serve clients and and categories and and do it do it so well. Uh, so you know, the formula is to kind of start at the roots a little bit, and I kind of know the story because I think I've seen some of the earlier settings that were yes in music, but. Take, we're not talking a little over half a century ago, right? The founding of that's the right. Firm. Yeah, this is. Uh, a I mean, if, if you just tell us as you know it from your father and other other family, the founding story of of yeah, absolutely. So uh, my dad uh, Dan Yesian uh, was a uh, high school English teacher uh, teaching at Redford High School and musician as well. So he had a band and played out different gigs uh, for weddings and parties and clubs and and, uh, kind of a jazz type uh, group that they play around. And he was actually playing a gig up in Traverse City. And at the gig, someone came up to him and said, hey, um, really like your your original songs. Um, Do you write jingles? And my dad really had no idea what a jingle was. But he thought, well, I can write music. Sure, I'll, I'll write for you. It was for Traverse City Bank and Trust. And I think he said he he was paid twelve hundred dollars for that, which was, you know, more money than he had ever dreamed of, you know, playing gigs around. And, and you know, after, you know, paying out some you know singers and musicians and everything and studio time, he, he still you know, made a profit. And he thought, wow, this is really pretty cool. Um, you know, I wonder if I could do more of this. And so he started. Um, he kind of, uh, he left his teaching career and kind of went full on into gigging out more as well as writing for, for music and started in, you know, in the Detroit area. Um, his actually, I think his first 
office was, I think in downtown Farmington, like it was an old okay. bait and tackle store and they had to rip out the, the, uh, the, um, bait wells and, you know, put in some desks and things. Okay. So it wasn't dual purpose music and bait store. It in was, bait store, yeah. although, okay. you, you know, he's, he is a fisherman, so he okay. would have, you know, that probably would have served uh, well, you know, to have that in there <laughs> at the time. Well, you've done, you've done work later in the business's history for the gone fishing campaign, right? So well, that's true. We have. Yes, exactly. Yes. So wow. yeah, it all comes around. All right. So he, he yeah. starts this thing out. I did not know that the first, I guess, commercial customer was a bank in Northern Michigan, Traverse yeah. city and, and, you know, starts doing that uh, and, and, you know, building client base, which was the advertising agencies of, in many cases, the metro Detroit area, correct? Exactly. Yeah, mainly, mainly around here. Exactly. What, what for for you? What's your like kind of first association memory of either being brought into one of the studios, the business, hearing about it at home? Kind of what was? How did that go for you? You know, for me, I I actually my in our house, my bedroom was above his kind of uh, den studio area okay. where his piano was, and then he'd always write jingles at the piano, and so I would fall asleep pretty much every night as a child him on the piano and singing and creating jingles basically so i grew up every night falling asleep to jingles <laughs> pretty and, and much. You, you you yourself i mean what do you what part of do you play instruments do yeah you... so I, I grew up i'm a classical clarinet player so okay. i um i played clarinet i went to a music conservatory actually in europe for many years and then um i was studying Is that a choice in your family or <laughs> uh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> believe it or not it was you know my, okay. great, my parents never pushed us too much into the music thing um and they you know really you know i, I started off in, in playing piano when i was much younger Younger and I never really gravitated towards that and quit after a couple of years. And, and then I, I wanted to play clarinet. The funny thing is, is that my, my dad is also originally a clarinet player. So is my mom and my brother, Michael is also plays clarinet. So we're a family of uh, clarinet quartets, you could say. Wow. I didn't know that <laughs> yeah, either. Which is kind of funny. And, and my dad, I mean, my dad went on to play saxophone and piano and other things. But I was always very focused on the clarinet, studying through middle school, high school, into college, conservatory. And I, my path was always to go into clarinet performance and play in orchestras. Okay, uh, I was going to ask um, that. Yeah, so I never really planned to come into the business or was really uh, into it in my college days. And um, it wasn't until getting towards the end of college where I came in and did some interning okay. with my dad and um, it basically just at the front desk, answering phones, sure, sure. running bat tapes or three quarter inch reels to agencies. Yep. And, and, um, and I kind of started having fun in, in the business. I was finishing up my, my bachelor's degrees at Wayne state university. Okay. Um, so I got a degree kind of in music management besides my performance degree that I already had from conservatory. Um, I got a music management degree and then a, I have a degree in German literature, which is kind of crazy because I went to school in Austria. So I, I spoke German and kind of got into that whole path. And, um, and, uh, but then I started falling in love with the business and in having fun here at the studios and just being involved in the production and still playing on the side as well. And then it kind of just sucked me in and, um, I just really enjoyed it and, um, kind of worked my way through all aspects from assisting in the studios, production assistant, working with the sales reps, uh, kind of hit everything. And, and, you know, for listeners, for you and your brother, Michael are both partners in running and starting this business now in the second yeah. generation. 
age wise, who's uh, your? I'm I'm the older one. I'm uh, older by three years. So, so you had yeah. you already started to get into the business as he was, I guess, still doing school. He was still in school, years. and he was always interested in the business. Though. Okay, he was, was very interested in getting involved. He went to school for business, and then um, also you know clarinet player, a saxophone player, and and played um, you know had a music minor, I think. Um, but he was always interested in getting involved, um, from an earlier age. So if he has a little more of that, you know, you've got all that classical music training and, and even into, you know, literature and other arts and culture. Yeah. And you're, how did you over, over time now that you've been doing this for a while, how did you kind of educate yourself on more of this, the, the, the basics of business and business operations? You know, I, I took, um, some side classes out, out of college, you know, in marketing and business just to kind of help. So your approach was always to do it academically, take classes. and it, it was, yeah. And then, you know, then I did a, um, you know, because I was never a very good, like, public speaker or person that would be extrovert um, meeting people at, you know, especially in this industry, you have to be meeting people yeah. and selling yourself all the time or your, your company. And I was never really that. So um, my dad actually said, why don't you take a Dale Carnegie course? Oh, okay. Get into like that has come up before, practicing. yeah, yeah, and which was great. I mean, that was uh, it really helped me be more assertive and talk to people and come up with conversations because I never knew what to talk about with people. And, and Warren uh, Buffett credits it for his success, yeah. so yeah, oh, does he? Oh, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah and he's. He's done a and, couple and things well. Funny enough, my wife, my wife was a Dale Carnegie instructor. Now I didn't meet her here. Okay. I met her in Chicago, but um, but she used to be a Dale Carnegie instructor. So well, and, and then I mean, other than your father, who clearly has been a, a mentor to you as you've gone through this path and this journey, as you call it, who who else has kind of mentored you, you and your brother? I mean, as as you've grown this business. Yeah, you know, I I mean I had to I had to give most of that credit really to my dad because okay. he really was the one that That's pushed great. us. Um pushed us, pushed me pretty hard, you know, especially getting involved in the, in the business, um, you know, right out of college and never, he was never one of those people that was going to say, Oh, well, you're my son. So you'll take over the business one day. I mean, it was, nothing was ever really handed to us. It was, I understand. He put me through the ringer and, and, um, you know, made sure that we learned all of the basics and every aspect of all what we do in the company. Has. Um, before I was moving up to anywhere or getting more than a very minimal salary um, at that time. And so, um, which I, I credit, you know, I, I mean, that that was, uh, th those fundamentals, I think are one of the most important parts of really knowing your business because, you know, today, I mean, you know, I, I may be higher up in the company uh, with, you know, between Michael and I, but I still have to be in the weeds at times sure. and know yeah. all those little details of things that happen from the ground up really and business changes and moves fast and you've watched it go from sort of analog to digital and all those kinds of oh, applications yeah. what for your earlier days is you're you know wearing the different hats washing the pots cleaning the pots as they would say and all that is yeah. is is a project that from your earlier days that you remember uh whether it's a jingle or scoring something uh that just that sticks with you that you go back yeah, to your let's head. Think, let's think about this. Um, you know, there was, uh, I think one of my, so when I was starting out, you know, probably like, I guess it would be in the, in the 
late nineties area, we, you know, we were starting to do, uh, I was starting to get into the sales and, and production. So I was, I was helping on the production side. I was also doing sales. And, you know, at the time we had, you know, quote unquote, a lot of sales reps here and, and, you know, which we don't really do as much anymore, but uh, you know, they gave me some territories of like Ohio and Wisconsin, Milwaukee. And, you know, you go to these places cause they didn't have time. And, you know, they weren't always the, the bigger budgets of Chicago or New York or other places. So I did. And, and then I, you know, I started making some kind of sales in these places. And then it was like, okay, I, I made the sale now. now, you now deliver. And then now I got to deliver. And, and so, and being able to kind of get involved with the producers and help to see it through from start to finish. Cause I was still that kind of point of contact. And um, yeah, there were a couple really great ones that we got to do. Um, you know, one was uh, out of Milwaukee, uh, Win Dixie, the supermarket. Chain. Sure. Um, we did like a, a huge jingle campaign for them um, and kind of like sonic branding their entire um, commercial campaign. And were for, these engagements where you were brought in by an advertising agency, the client that's directly? Well, it, was, it was an ad agency. Yeah. Ad agency. Was, ad, um, so the selling was to ad agencies. Okay. Yep. Yep. It was mainly doing presentations for ad, ad agency creatives and production teams. Uh, so that I Which means that feeding ad agency creatives and production. Yeah, you know? yeah, a lot, a yeah. lot of that. A lot yeah. of that. Yes. <laughs> a lot of catering at the time. Um, and yeah, so that was, that was a great one. Cause we, we did, uh, we worked with a composer in New York and we did all the vocals there and it was just like this really big vocal production with, <laughs> you know, uh, which was a lot of fun. So that was, that was one that I remember from, you know, very early on. And then, you know, it's funny, some of the things that lead you down a path that you don't ever expect it to lead you. So sure. uh, I was down in Cincinnati and, you know, we, we did a lot of work in Cincinnati at the time. There were, there were so many regional ad agencies, not in big cities um, that right a place like that a lot of them had Procter and Gamble business or whatever and Gamble, is there's like all the like Skyline Chili and yeah yeah Star Chili and like and we did a lot of those commercials way back back then and um and there was a there was a, a small agency that we did um, some work for for Big Boy um, the Cincinnati kind of fan. right because we had know, the Big Boy you, of Detroit and yes and it, yeah. you know it's funny actually just a real quick sidebar on that is. Um, this past weekend, uh, I was with my wife and kids and uh, took my parents uh, over to Max on Telegraph Road. Um, the, and that you and I was that was a there. big boy location, yes. And my my dad said, "Oh my God, is this the?" the the big boy location that I would come to meeting with SMZ back in the day. I think so. Probably. And, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, we just, it, it was just yesterday <laughs> I think that we had this on Saturday that we had this discussion about um, being in, in, in a big boy. And yes. Yeah, so was that like Shoney's down in Ohio? Well, you know, it was still big boy, but just it was like without own, the other name on it. They okay. had, they had, yeah, it wasn't Shoney's. Um, and we were working on the project and it was, you know, uh, smaller, you know, just for that Cincinnati region. And, and uh, that is, and the woman that we started working with there, the production uh, company was called Northside Films. Anita Doherty uh, was the main uh, producer and started doing a couple small regional projects with her. And then she's the one that I would credit to bringing us into the whole world of themed entertainment and kind of where okay. we took our business in a completely different direction um, or part of the business. And um, she would work for a company that's also based in Cincinnati called JRA, Jack Rouse Associates. And they're sure. one of the biggest developers of themed entertainment um, in yeah. the world, really. And um, so 
you know, I would have never known that that one little connection in Cincinnati would develop. That's great. I want, because I, 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 I was going to ask, you know, more in the, you know, film commercial that that world is you go from a Detroit, Michigan base to having studios and offices in, you know, four or five other global cities. Yeah. What, what took you for, I think first maybe New York and then you're in LA and you're in Hamburg, Germany. Like what took you to yeah. all of those those beachheads, if you will. You know, I think um, knowing the way that the industry was changing, I mean, we were pretty much a very Detroit-centric company, and then we started branching out a little bit more to the Midwest. You know, we'd get a couple things from Chicago, but there were a lot of great music houses in Chicago in the 90s and, and early 2000s. And, and then, um, so we'd go for smaller markets. And then, you know, we kind of just realized that, um, you know, a lot of of the big automotive clients were leaving Detroit at the time or, or, or things I got were changing. and we were realizing that, wow, you know, there's, you know, if we want to survive in this business, we really have to diversify a bit and, and expand where we go to. And it wasn't, you know, it, it, it was hard to go to New York because New York is the Mecca of advertising. And there's so many great um, music houses and production companies. Sure. There. They have it all. And so going to New York, you know, and, and just dipping our toe in and making meetings and, 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 you know, it was all, you know, calling random creative back directors. To, and producers back to that hard work. Exactly. Yeah. And getting out Come there, you know, they, we'd go in there with our reel and, and it was, it was hard because, you know, they had these great music houses to work with right. there. So we had to start, you know, really getting a little bit creative there and, and how we did that. And, and one of the things we started doing is, you know, we thought, well, Hey, you know, cause our, our reel was all automotive and, and, and ah. you know, even automotive was like, it's great work, but not everyone in New York is really working on automotive. And they say, Oh, well, you know, that's, those are car commercials. That's right. big budgets. And, and, you know, they can do whatever they want. And, you know, we can't always do that here. So, and they wanted to see, you know, other things besides car. And so we started just, we said, you know what, let's just take really cool international spots that we've seen and rescore them and then just show them as like, here's what we can do. Interesting. And that started working for us. And we started getting some, some bites and people uh, calling us in New York. And we thought, okay, you know, and then we started to build up a, a more diverse reel of different types of work over time. And that kind of helped us get our foot in the door in New York. And, and we started, everything we did was very organic. Like we started with one person in New York that was in their home. And then we started kind of slowly. Okay. So, you, so it wasn't where this grand studio and all these people and yeah. build it, they will come. It was get it right. and then build, build it. And then build, that. Yeah. So, and then so. that's the same way things started in uh, LA uh, and in Germany, you know, again, my German connection and speaking the language, um, our, our main managing director in New York, uh, Marlena, who runs a New York office, she had a good friend that was moving to Germany to run the PNG business at Saatchi Frankfurt and started bringing us in on some jobs in, uh, at Saatchi. And um, so I thought, well, you know what, maybe I can make some trips out there because I speak the language and maybe there's a chance for other agencies in Frankfurt that we could work with. And we started working on Ikea and a couple other brands and other P&G brands. And it started getting busier and busier than I thought, well, maybe I could go over to Berlin or to Hamburg or to Munich and move around. And, you know, I speak the language, so I, it, it would kind of work. And we started getting busier there. And then that's great. Um, you know, well, my, and mu music's an international language all by itself. Right. So it the is, product right. you provide, the service you provide travels. Right. You've done work for Japan tourism and PNG Europe and. Right. Lincoln, 
North America or whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. it works across all of those things. That's right. So, you know, the family dynamic. So your dad's big personality, he's built this business. Oftentimes, you know, the founder is like, I created, I built this thing underneath your bedroom. I built this thing. Yeah. Uh, right. And, and I, and, and so it's not that you wrested control from him, but how, how did some of that call it, let's transition from founder to the next generation. How did that go more formally and kind of operation and, and, and uh, structure? Yeah, you know, I I would say Vasily cleanly. <laughs> yeah, it did. It was pretty. It was pretty seamless in the way it transitioned. I have to say. I mean, it was over time. There was never any like pushback of like, no, you can't. You know, I'm I'm still in charge of this, or no, I want okay. you know, power struggle of I want I want to do more of this. And it was always very, um, you know, very collaborative in the way that we worked together. There was a there was a time I think that. Um, you know, we were getting busier. And so my dad didn't have time to be involved in everything. Right, just and growing pains, right? Yeah, we just started, we just started taking on those responsibilities. And then as time went on, you know, there was a there was a time I think that he was kind of not as interested in, you know, working with all the different new types of clients that were out there. Sure. And, and, you know, he just kind of um, uh, was ready to kind of work on his passion, which is songwriting. And okay. he thought, well, these guys are kind of doing this now. Let me, he was always still apart from the business strategy side and, and finances and things like that. He was still very much involved in, in keeping an eye on everything right. or how it was progressing. And, and um, but he was able to focus more time on his passion of songwriting and working with artists. And so he started doing that more and more. And then as, as things kind of continued to grow and, you know, we, we were able to kind of secure all the financing and make sure that everything was working and smooth and he was feeling comfortable, then he kind of, you know, let go of that. I mean, he's funny. He's still in every day. He comes in. I was going to ask. Yeah. Still involved. Still. Yeah. He's he's working. I mean, he's not involved in the day-to-day operations of what we do anymore, but he's asking questions and, you know, curious and and still working on his own. Well, and given that he's still coming in and he's around, what, what are, are there, are there a couple of, uh, I don't know what you call them, you know, whether they're Danisms or, yeah, are there there's some sayings or expressions or things that you refer back to or you and your brother do or that the, everybody works there that are kind of no, he's, founder? He's just he loves to just like interject and make crazy comments in the middle of someone's conversation just to like you know throw people off and okay and, uh, but he's, he's always a comedian so he's always making jokes and and you know kind of uh funny faces and and what what have you it's always it's always entertaining when he's here that's for sure oh that's great yeah so it, it's it's fun and um you know, I think uh, he he likes being around and just, you know, seeing what we're doing and the types of work that we're doing. And, you know, he loves to, you know, repost our our posts, our social media posts. So, yeah. And then, you know, there's the business and then there's the actual stuff you do. So, I mean, you, you all have gotten to have somebody be in and you're capturing the voice of Chester Cheetah or you're, you know, you're you're doing the NBC's iconic little sounds and theme things. Yeah. What what are just along the first, you know, the the now I asked you about sort of an early project you got and you talked about the bank that sort of set it set it on its track. What are a couple of like the projects that you refer back to that are, I guess, your icons, if you will? Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, I know we love all our children and all of that. They're all beautiful. But yeah, that's right. They are. They are. Um, You know, I mean, definitely uh, for for me, I think my my most favorite is working on the United Airlines campaign for eight years. We got to do that. 
it was such an amazing ride and some of the best recording we've ever done in our lives. I mean, you know, we, we did the, the original pitch with the agency, which was McGarry bone in New York. Um, you know, we, we've had a long history with the head of music there, Jerry Krennic, um, who's been a, just a big fan of ours. Was that the time. animated stuff with the, we didn't do, no, not the animated stuff. It was okay. all, it was mostly all live action. That was, live before, action. I think that was all based out of Fallon and Minneapolis. I remember that too. I just, I mean, I love that theme, that music that, I mean, yeah. Yeah. And, and Jerry actually, um, he gave us one of our very first gigs in New York. Um, so okay. that's, you know, he's one of the people that got us started in New York too, which is, which is pretty amazing. But um, yeah, he brought us on during the pitch phase of McGarry going for it and they got it. Um, you know, we, we worked to the, the initial kickoff was um, recording the entire Rhapsody in Blue piece, the full 18 minute piece with the London Symphony Orchestra. We had a 120 piece orchestra at Abbey Road Studios. See, I don't know, like, where you go from there. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just like you're at the, the pinnacle peak moment. Um, uh, it was it was just such an amazing, um, you know, project. And then, you know, from there. We did more recording in London and at Abbey Road again. We've we worked with the New York Philharmonic um, members and, and New York Met Opera members um, for subsequent uh, commercials. So we just did a lot of really great live recording on that all over, and you know got to mix you know from Super Bowl spots to the Olympic spots to you know their main branding campaigns to you know fitting seventy six musicians on a Boeing seven sixty seven and recording. On oh, okay, doing a, a spot like that, which is pretty cool. So, just some really unique projects that um, you know were you know took us all over the place, and were really, I mean, really you know that example is great because there's for those who you know don't make movies or do advertising, there's always sometimes the thought of it being so strictly assembly line in nature, like. Some yeah. film comes to you guys and then you put some music to it, but where, where the music is central to the whole idea, you know, That's right. I mean, it's not, we're going to play on the plane because we fly planes and it's, you're not selling Boeing, right. it's United, but it, it, it's, there is a concept there and, and it's so emotional and, and can be right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so is, I got to ask you one, just sort of more again, basic business operation question, and then we'll talk a little future vision and, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. So your, your father's still involved. You're working with your brother. Talk about when you all have, you know, meetings and you're doing the financials or you're doing the your look at the next year. What, what's that dynamic like? How, 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 uh, how do you guys make decisions and, 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 um, and manage that, uh, and with relationships and business mind and all that? Yeah. You know, I mean, we have, we have a very close family too. So we, we all see each other a lot, you know, okay. I mean, you know, yeah, you mentioned seven dinner the other night. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, we, we see each other a lot and, you know, holidays and everything else, of course. And, you know, our, our, like my, my kids are close with my brother's kids. Sure. And so, uh, you know, which is fantastic. And we, we are pretty good about when we're together as a family or with friends. Um, cause you know, we have a lot of friends in common too, that we get, get up okay. with and, uh, and, um, you know, we, we really kind of keep business off to the side. Everything's on a board meeting then, right? Yeah. Okay. We don't really talk about it too much, um, which is nice unless something's in, we're in the midst of some crisis or something that's going on and we just want to, you know, have a little sidebar conversation, but, um, for the most part, we, we try to keep it separate. And, um, and then, you know, when we're, when we're together discussing things, it, everything's pretty organic and we kind of, 
you know, we, and this is probably one of the, you know, some of the growing pains because we have been growing and we, we have to, you know, maybe put maybe some more strategic plans together, but we, we really kind of lean in on our teams to get, you know, um, get their insight and bring in their points of view. So it's a true our, collaborative. Yeah, we really, we really try to be collaborative with the teams and, and really take people's, um, you know, ideas and thoughts into consideration as we're making decisions. Um, uh, because the teams do work really close together and, and we try to encourage a lot of cross office working. So it's not, you know, uh, a lot of times when you have multiple offices, they're very separate from each other and don't really interact with each other. Like, like big ad, ad agencies sometimes. Yeah. Uh, that communicate the, the, the hallway gets really, long and it's, how do you yeah. keep that connection? So I think that's one of the things that we're trying to change the culture on quite a bit right now is, is really having that collaborative spirit where we, we, team up producers or creatives together or composers oh, together different. across offices so that we're, we're kind of tag teaming uh, things together. Um, but then, you know, yeah, the decisions, you know, the, I mean, the great thing is like Michael and I, we, we don't really get in arguments. Like we don't fight or, you know, I mean, I know there's a lot of family businesses out there that are. Oh, no, I do this podcast. I think maybe to dispel some, you know, succession is probably one of HBO's biggest hits. It's got some yeah. great music, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And yeah, you know, it's such high drama and so, you know, this hateful characters all tearing each other apart. And most of the businesses I've interviewed on this, it's not like that. <laughs> it's true. Now, in the parlance of your world, you know, music often is about hits, right? And you're growing and you've had this success in the 51 plus, you know, the second half century here. But over that time, there has to be some classic, like, not disaster, but something that didn't quite go so well or that's part of company lore. Is well, there, you know, there was probably there was one it was a, it was a probably more of a, a scare than anything else but okay. um, where we were working on a, a very large campaign uh that was uh full orchestra kind of um production um and you know we get a lot of temp tracks on our things that you know agencies will send us a temp track and say hey can you do something like this or yes. you know style of that and yep. i always have to be very careful with copyright and, right. and how that works um, and on this one, the, the temp track was um, uh, Danny Elfman's Edward Scissorhands uh, okay. uh, 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 main theme. And we, we, you know, we did the work, um, we finished it, it turned out great. Uh, you know, we have musicologists that get involved to make sure that we're staying far enough away from anything that could be copyright infringement. And so we were clear, everything was great. Spot goes to air and we get a call saying uh, from Fox, to the agency saying, you know, cease and desist, we're going to sue yeah. you because you're yeah. using our music. And they just, you know, send it right over to us. They didn't, they were like, well, it's not our problem. It's the music house's problem. And so they sent okay. it to us and, and we're, we're freaking out because we thought we had everything covered and we were, we were far enough away from that sound. And so, you know, at the time that we, you know, we weren't really on uh, internet yet. It was still like late nineties. So right. like, you don't quite have Shazam. So, so they had to FedEx us a three quarter inch because we said, can you, you know, please send us the, the send us what we're on air because, you know, we need to listen and, and figure this <laughs> out with our musicologist. So they send over the uh, three quarter inch reel and we put it in and it's. But those not in the business. That's a big fat chunky tape that. Our stuff used to appear on. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Now much. it's just an MP4, MP3. Yeah, exactly. And sure, lo and behold, it was Danny Elfman's track that they shipped the spot with by mistake. Ah. 
I um, was part of one of those separately. <laughs> I, I, I knew where it was going, but I wasn't yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. They, put, they give you the source, the reference material, and then they ended yeah. up putting it on there. Ooh. They put it on there. So thank God we had nothing to do with that. It wasn't our... Funny you mentioned, yeah. are there still musicologists given Shazam and the digital nature of things and the ability to sort of... They, oh, they, yeah. It gets, okay. it's, it's, it's even more intricate than any, any time. Because before. of sampling and mixing. Oh, and, yes. Can, yeah. I mean, anyone will come out of the woodwork these days with music and and we we had a lawsuit um last year because someone said our drums sounded like the drums from a song that they recorded wow and it went into a, a full-on lawsuit and that we had to fight for a year and a half it took and in the end we they found out that they created their music after we created ours Oh, so the timing is, so who was copying whom, right? Who's... So, yeah, so then, but then at that point, you know, they, they, there was a, you know, group that, had some no-name band that had no money. So it's like, you know, for us to go then count, I mean, after, yes. like, but our, our insurance had to kick in and, you know, they went, they paid hundreds of thousands of dollars. To do the to... legal fight. So that's a great segue into, you know, your business where you're creating jingles, you're creating music, or orchestrating, scoring, uh, redoing existing pieces. So one of the things that you do for brands, agencies, clients is help source and or like negotiate existing songs, music, tracks, because they go well to the idea. So when did you kind of get into that part of the the uh, you know, I think I would say at least for the last 10 plus years now, we've been we've been working in, you know, music research and licensing and negotiations um, for whether it be, you know, trying to license and negotiate the full master and publishing rights of a song or a lot of times what we love to do is just negotiate the publishing rights and then and get to do a remake. Do, yeah, I love, to, you know, we like to do that at our agency yeah. often because of the economics, we don't have a choice, but mm-hmm. the, to, to do something like that. And, you know, so given that, so from, from the, the, the roots of, you know, jingles to, you know, music licensing negotiation, what, what are, what you talked about strategic planning and collaboration better between the offices. What do you, what are some of the things that you're looking at for the, you know, the, the near and longer future? What do you see there is potential trends uh, or areas to get into, or is it just to be focused on what you do well in your six offices? I, yeah, I think, I think, you know, really we, we, um, I mean, the advertising part of what we do is still, I would say still the core. majority in the core of our business. Okay. Um, you know, the, the music licensing is, has definitely grown over the years and, and we really like and enjoy doing that because it's nice to be, you know, kind of thinking about, um, you know, researching and, and thinking about artist collaborations that might be good, a good fit for a brand and being strategic about it. Yep. Um, you know, we enjoy, we've gotten a lot into Michael's really kind of grown our side of like the promos. So all the work we do for NBC or ESPN or CBS, um, you know, whether it be sound logos or brand, you know, branding of promos, um, uh, we've been doing a lot more like network type work, which is really nice, different, completely different client set, um, client base. And then, you know, all the themed entertainment, um, theme parks, uh, experiential type work. I mean, I think that's going to be a, a even bigger growth. We've been doing it now for, um, probably 15 plus years at this point. And, you know, I think what we've learned in that world of experiential and themed entertainment is really starting off with more museums and theme parks is where we got our start. We're kind of seeing that, um, 
blend into brands now more so yes. because brands are really interested in not just having a simple TV commercial um, or a campaign, but how can they engage with their audience a little bit differently or more in a more personal way? And um, brand experiences are becoming a pretty big thing as well. And, and, um, and they're all the senses in these brand experiences, right? Exactly. So an audio is such a big part of that. Um, Cause when you, when you go to these experiences and um, uh, you, you go uh, whether it's, say it's something like, even like the, 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 at its simplest form, the Van Gogh, um, the immersive and thing, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean that that's a pretty basic one because it's it's just so a visual. mono stereo, but it's more visual. Um, I mean, nice music, but nothing that's really pulling you in from an audio perspective. And we're getting involved in these experiences that are multi zones and audio um, layouts that are pulling you and pulling you in different directions. So you look in a certain direction, or you feel something, even like haptics in the floors where. Yeah you know, we're making the floor move or vibrate to make you feel something and, and a, a real emotional connection. So Absolutely. I think brands are going to get um, deeper into this experience world more so than ever now, especially now we're coming out of the pandemic and people are ready to be out in, in, in with other people again. True. And so I think it's a good time that these experiential projects um, um, really start to surface more and, and have a, a bigger play in the brand side of things. Um, yeah. I mean, I just have a couple last, you know, fire some faster questions at you. And I mean, you mentioned, you know, the family has this discipline of being together as family and friends and separating out. What do you, what do you yourself do to, when you just to get away from the business, what's your. Uh, I'm, well, I'm, I'm a huge traveler. I love, I, I, I could, I, I, you know, my, my fallback career, I think is being a travel agent so, okay. and, and, and experiencing the places. I, I love to just move around the world as much as possible and see things and, you know, interact with different cultures. That's, that's been one of the, my, my favorite parts about working on theme parks is because most of the theme park work we do is not, not in is the US, international international so from the you know it's taken me to a lot of the places i've seen from from indonesia to korea to Fantastic. japan to uh south uh South. are you America. looking where are you looking is it is an intrepid traveler where are you looking forward to going to next uh well i'm i'm leaving next week to, to go to spain Okay. So that was coming up. <laughs> that was, I think that was the pandemic canceled big trip. My wife and I, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a, we we're going to be cycling in Spain and all of this. Well, yes, we'll, we'll, so, we'll get there. Um, yeah. And then what, what music has your attention now? Cause often the music now becomes the music that's part of advertising and film and stuff, you know, a little down the road yeah. or now. Yeah, you know, it's 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 interesting. I think there there's just we're exposed to so much more music than we ever have Oof. before with, with all the platforms. I mean, it's it's, it's uh, you know, it's really hard to just keep up with things. I mean, we're, we're I'm lucky because our music supervisor Lars here in in our Detroit office, he um he, you know, handles most of our music supervision and research. And he puts out a playlist every Friday for the company, um, just exposing everyone. I was going to ask you to plug what he puts out on social, where you have yeah. newer, you know, tracks to listen to or to be exposed yeah. to. So we put a we put a Spotify list out every Friday um, with like the it's called the nine plus one, so like nine new tracks plus I, one oldie, and and um, and uh, it's it's just a great way to like listen to new artists out there. Um, um, I mean, because there's just so many new styles and. And, and new types of trends that are, are happening. Um, 
And, um, and, you know, same with on the international scene, I think we've been exposed more to international artists more so than ever now, which is great too. And other languages, I mean, one of the cases where the world being smaller is better. Yeah. And, you know, people don't like, especially in this country, I mean, we're, we're in a bit more of a bubble than most places. Like when you go to Japan, for example, I mean, they're listening to a lot of American music, but there are some amazing Japanese artists Mm -hmm. and bands and then, but they're not just listening to Japanese music. They're listening to artists from Korea or from China and from other parts in the region that may not be their language, but they listen to it for the music. And, you know, that's something that we don't do as much, I think, in the U.S. Sure. You know, we're, we typically we're a little like, U.S. centric. Yeah. 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 So then so your plus ones then, which would be. What, what what are what's what do you fall back or go to? Uh, you can like you could be anything like you know Prince or Michael Jackson okay. or um, Aretha Franklin or I mean you know it can go really any Coldplay. Sure. I mean it, you know we just kind of he'll just pull something else pull, pull something out that's interesting. I just meant for yourself. What is your kind of oh for me? Your favorite, you know, your you just the comfort music to go back to. You know, they say it's what we listen to when we we're in our teenage years or whatever. But yeah, you know, I love I love like you know just eighties pop and you know you know every any I mean anything from Michael Jackson to Prince to okay. you know that that type of stuff. But then I was also I was listening to a lot of classical music too. So like if I need to go in like relaxation form or just like kind of just just disconnect from things and listen to some just great classical pieces um you know i i always love listening to classical music and you know when i when i can get to the symphony and and experience opera or symphony type performances too so i mean as a student of music and then business and all and then and travel and what is one other thing and you know the pandemic years were a chance for people to experiment try new things so, i mean what's something that you yourself to you know better yourself or personal growth something you're yeah. exploring or playing with you know i i, well, I, I did um i did take up golf which uh, okay. you know was fun because my son was playing it and i was like you know what i need, need something to like to be outside and the quietude and, like, yeah and quiet and just kind of get away from everything and so that's that's been kind of fun um you know for like a, a sport we also go to a lot of um we like going to um, soccer games. So we're, you know, big fans of like Detroit city FC. Um, yeah. We'll go down to Hamtramck. Not a quiet you know? thing. Not a quiet thing. Yeah. Very often. They're crazy. I think that's <laughs> they're so crazy. Fun. Yeah. That's but it's like really the closest cool. thing we have in the U S I think to like, you know, true European soccer, which I'm a big fan of. Um, yeah, the smoke bombs going off the. Oh yeah. Inappropriate. Drums and the, yeah. That's right. I, I, I am, I'm a fan. Haven't been a couple seasons. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the, the, I guess the last question, and it's the only one that I've, I know I've consistently asked in every episode of the Generation Excellence podcast is what's the most fulfilling thing for you about this, about Yesian music, this, this special generational business? Uh, You know, it's, it's, I I really, it's, it's great to, I mean, you know, working in a family business, I, I love that you know, it's, it's like my my brother, who's also my best friend. It's like, it's like someone that I trust and that I can tell anything to or talk to about anything. Uh, I think that's really makes it very special to be able to work that way. And that, and the fact that we can get along and and we have a close relationship, I think is, uh, is, you know, really, um, I feel very lucky that I can, I can work that way. And then, you know, also a team, Working in a team, you know, it's a lot of the people that are on our team have been with us for a long period of time. Well, that speaks to the quality of the business. Yeah. And, and then, you know, we're very, we're very fortunate to have just, you know, a really great solid team. Some people that, you know, our business manager has been with us for, you know, probably 30 years. So, um, 
it's it's great to have a team like that that is solid and trustworthy and you can have open conversation with and um and you know just connect with click with that's great and you mentioned i mean i know you have to go after this recording your son has a drum lesson so music, that's right music's generational there and yeah there's kids is is there is is the vision of this that there's third generation yesians involved in this business it'd be great you know i i you know we've my brother and i have talked about that before and you know neither of us want to pressure our kids to do what we're doing you know only really you have to i think to do this and to in order for it to be successful you really have to have a passion for it make sure that you you love it and that's for any career of course but um especially when you're in a family business because there's a lot more you know the same people you know on top Mm -hmm. of your business so um, you, you have to really love it, um, but um, uh, we'll see. I, I'm I'm curious. You know, I, I you know my my daughter who's not so interested in music. You know, she's kind of moved away from that more and going into more of the sports side. And and um, my son who's yeah who's a drummer. He he really loves it now. Again, I'm not trying to force him to like stay with it or tell him to practice. You know, an hour every day so he gets better <laughs> and better. So it's it's a. Uh, um, you know, I think, well, it's a little wait and see right now. And then Brian, is there anything that I forgot to ask or touch on that relates to kind of Yesi and music of yesteryear and today, and even as it goes into the future, you know, I, you would like to talk about, I think, I mean, as you know, where you, you just, it's, it's constantly reinventing yourself. I yeah. mean, especially in this business, it, it moves so fast. Technology moves fast. The way of working moves fast. We just went through a pandemic of two years here that has, has completely changed the way we sure. operate and the way we work. And, and in, in some ways, a lot better. I mean, I think there's, it's, it's interesting, you know, when this all started two years ago, I, we, you know, as many of us were kind of afraid, like, is this the end of this? Yes. Right. <laughs> and, and really we discovered a lot about the way that we work that, um, we never, you know, we, we always said, oh, you gotta be in, you gotta be in the office as many hours a day as possible. Right. I'd get in at eight and I wouldn't leave until eight or nine at night. Cause the more hours you're in the office and with, you know, it's, and wow, it's amazing how, when we're all working from home, it worked. And then it worked in some cases for some people it worked even better. And we realized, yes. okay, these people are working really well in this, in this new capacity. And these, you know, could use a little bit more FaceTime. So now we're, we're getting to this mode of hybrid and figuring out how are we going to bring people back together, but not all the time. Cause I don't think we have to go back to the ways of yesteryear and, and, and I think it, it's kind of opened our minds a lot to new ways of working and that, you know, you have to keep thinking about that all the time about what, how can we um, better streamline our process, our creative, the way that we absorb creative. I mean, some people, you know, they, they have, they work in a creative, um, uh, you know, creatively better alone and not with people that are yes. kind of bothering them all the time. Uh, well it's, it's, it's really nice just to kind of look at all these different ways of working and, and how we can continue to be better. I had many of the same thoughts, held many of the same thoughts about the time at work and the being there, forgetting how much time is wasted when you're all in the office that we're trying to right. get back to. But that little bit of time, the commute, especially with music, radio, podcasts, music, yeah. that's a key piece to keep touch with what you do, or it was for me, especially because yeah. That I can't play any music. I really can't sing. But if I'm alone in my car, I can. 
Right. Maybe the person just sees my lips moving who's driving in front of me, but they don't hear me. Uh, they just think the person is singing, <laughs> maybe yeah. even moving. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So we'll that's get right. back to all that stuff. Well, Brian, I, I, I really thank you. I think, you know, it's, it's hard to tell stories and capture, as you know, describing music's like describing art or whatever. I mean, you kind of have to hear it and be part of it, yeah. but you all have built a, you know, kind of one of those built to last businesses. And, and it's, it's got a lot of, of um, great work that have been done for brands all over the world and now <laughs> attractions and all that. Uh, yeah. So I will, if, if people want to learn a little bit more about Yessie and music, um, what's the best way for them to do that? And I'll include that as we sort of post the episode as well. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, just any, what, what would be, what's the, yeah, what's web, the best? Web, I think website, you know, www.yesian.com, Y-E-S-S-I-A-N.com. And that has all of our work right there. Super. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Jamie. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to Sam Daly, Eric Head, and Joel Bienenfeld at SMZ for helping make Generation Excellence, well, excellent. Until next time, I'm Jamie Michelson.